Straight from the 734, it's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Your chance to get in on the action. I can guarantee you it's one area of the building I won't be using because we all know how little time I'm spending in any weight room. A lot of crazy scenarios that can happen and need to happen for the defending MAC tournament champions. Uh, the assist numbers spoke for themselves. Looking forward to the trip down to Akron. Uh, sure, Akron. Now, let's send it to the guys on the inside of it all. Greg Steiner and Alex Jewell. We close out the month of April and get you set for a big May coming up on this episode of the Eastern Insider Podcast. I'm Greg Steiner. I'm Alex Jewell. We are so thrilled for you to be here. It was a solid week last week for Eastern Michigan Athletics. This week, it's another chance to crown a champion as men's golf will have an opportunity to defend their MAC title. It's been over 700 days that Eastern and Kent State have been tied atop the leaderboard since last year's event was canceled. Eastern will get a shot at it this week down in Fort Wayne, Indiana, as Bruce Cunningham and company get going. Last week, it was Stephanie Jennings and her crew that had a chance on the women's golf side of things. Once again, Kent State cruise to a title, but a good solid showing out of women's golf on a team to keep your eye out in. Alex, a really underclassman laden club. Eastern Michigan on the women's side of golf, Greg, you mentioned it has four freshmen in their lineup that all swing the club a lot better than we do. And it's really exciting because not only was there signs of great shots this week, but something that we noticed, Greg, Eastern Michigan at the Women's Golf Championship, the only team that improved round over round in that tournament. So really exciting stuff heading into next year. And, of course, the men's team coming off a title just a few seasons ago. Last year didn't get to compete for that title because of the COVID-19 pandemic, but another chance to get out there. And Bruce Cunningham, if he's your coach, you always have a chance. And really – Golf is a game of perspective, right, Greg? Because even the people who finish on the lower end of the leaderboard, compared to you and me, I mean, we think they're just fantastic. And the opposite with the men's club, they are a very upperclassman heavy ball club. Ty Saloni, Cougar Collins, Tyler Raymond, all seniors. Don't not to mention Zach Mason, another guy to watch out for. So their top four uh, can really compete and swing it. So it's going to be exciting time this week in Fort Wayne. We'll have four, full coverage on EMU Eagles as they go Friday and Saturday. It's also an opportunity to talk some rowing. Last weekend they hosted the Spartans of Michigan State over at Ford Lake. Uh, Kemp Savage and company, third time this year they've had a home event, Alex. Now they get the opportunity to head to Badger country before their CAA tune-up. Yeah, great opportunity for them last weekend to host yet another home event. I'll tell you what, Greg, if you haven't gotten out, of course, now the opportunity is gone for this year. Their, Their home schedule is already off the docket, but looking forward to next year. If you're someone who just likes to support EMU Athletics and is looking for new ways and to get out there and support a day out at Ford Lake Park to watch the rowing team is really exciting, especially when, you know, our office mate, Mary Gazer, she's uh, about ready to pop in terms of her pregnancy. She's been on the boat a couple of times, and it's almost just more fun watching her try to hang on to the edges as Kemp Savage is driving. But nonetheless, some really cool things that happen out at rowing and a great following that they've had out there this year. And Greg, you know, you mentioned their opportunity to tune up for their CAAs. And of course, they're at Wisconsin this week. Somewhere we'll be in a few months for football. But you mentioned two golf's senior laden 
class that's and really a good opportunity too to mention that for a lot of seniors at Eastern Michigan, it was a really important week off of the court and the field and the playing surface because it was graduation week this week. And so we had to, we get to welcome 81 new members to a group that you and I are a part of. And that's the alumni organization here at Eastern Michigan. Now, you and I did not compete on the court or on the field, but certainly a huge accomplishment to everybody that got to put the cap and gown on virtually again this spring. Yeah, put the regalia on and earn that tassel to move from one side to the other. Congratulations for everybody who's earned that diploma. We know that the hard work has been difficult these last, uh, however many months it's now been in virtual environments. So tip the cap to everybody who was able to walk. We can't wait to have you back on campus when all things are allowed to finally have that true graduation ceremony. I know that the university keeps promising. The exciting thing is too, though, Greg, that Unlike a lot of traditional years, because of the way the NCAA has made the rules, a lot of those people that are graduating, it's not like they're saying goodbye to Eastern Michigan. They'll have a chance to stick around for another year and start working on that master's degree. So you talk about people that are ready to change the world. They're going to be extra prepared by the time they finally get out of here. A lot of our seniors returning. Yeah, they are. You look at at seniors. We've had so many of them come back. We look at a baseball squad that was lucky enough to return. A lot of people from last year after their season gets shortened. Nick Jones, one of those guys, his team will be hopefully back in action this weekend in upstate New York as they will travel to take on the Bonnies of St. Bonaventure this weekend, a two-game set before they will welcome Toledo next week in a rare midweek MAC game to get things back going on after their cancellation last week. So look for some exciting baseball this weekend on uh, the weekend. And then we also have tennis, a pair of matches as the women's tennis team closes out their regular season against Bowling Green. And then they get the Bulls of Buffalo here on Sunday. It's going to be an exciting week. It always is here. And Greg, the excitement starts right here on this episode because a pair of interviews that are really going to excite fans. We know spring football just ended a couple of weeks ago, but that doesn't mean we can't talk a little gridiron. It's always exciting, especially as we start to turn those calendars and head ever closer to football season. This week, a real treat getting to talk to the new wide receivers coach, RJ Fleming. Yeah, you talked to RJ, a up-and-comer who played his college ball at Arkansas State and then uh, really has to, to battle through, has four different head coaches coaches that he learns through can makes that connection it all shows what connections can be follows uh his former head coach to work at then liberty and then the connections continue uh getting himself now to eastern michigan a good conversation about his path to get here and really what you'll see out of that position as he takes over for darren page it's the wide receivers coach a great interview and of course following that up it's michael ray guy part two the longtime voice of the mac earlier this year we talked to him a few episodes ago, actually, about his upbringing in Detroit, how he got into sports casting. And now, Greg, we'll flip the script a little bit more towards Eastern Michigan memory lane. Yeah, you talk about him, an encyclopedia. He's seen so much. We talk everything from his favorite basketball players that he's seen at EMU to really uh, the status of Mac football now. And boy, oh boy, does he love himself 
Chris Creighton and that football team because he talks a lot about the rebirth of EMU football. He does. He also talks a lot of basketball, a lot of great memories that he's able to recall upon. So you certainly don't want to miss that. And Greg, it's an ultra exciting week. It's the 25th episode of the season in the podcast. So for that, it's time for another prize. And guess what? Oh, there's more no prizes, more prizes this week. Did and you make a pie for us like that? Uh, pie? <laughs> no pie for our listeners. But what I do have is a special golf package, Greg, because the, the calendar's turning, the weather's getting nicer. Eagle Crest is packed. So all you have to do is listen for the keyword it comes right before the michael ray guy interview if you send that to us on twitter facebook or instagram you're automatically entered in for a chance to win an awesome golf package you might have some custom eastern insider ball markers some tees towels all of that we'll get you hooked up on the golf course do this i get year. any of these you already have some of that all right don't don't even get me started now it's time to give them to our listeners so they can rep the Eastern Insider and the Black Key out on the course. So an exciting week. Don't forget to listen in. And Greg, remember too, outside of Eastern Michigan Athletics, it's the, the greatest two minutes in sports this week, the Kentucky Derby. Uh, real quick, what's more important for who wins the Kentucky Derby? The owner, the jockey, or is it just pure luck? I think it's whatever the horse had that morning for breakfast. Well, exactly that. So a huge week in sports all around. We've got two great interviews, a whole calendar of events. Enjoy Eastern Michigan Athletics. Enjoy your mint juleps. Enjoy the whole weekend. Spring is here. Fun's in the air. And you're listening to the Eastern Insider Podcast. Be sure to download the Eastern Michigan Game Day app. Available in the App Store and Google Play. The EMU Athletics app features live video, real-time social streams, scoreboards, stats, and more. An entire app dedicated to Eastern Athletics. Download the EMU Athletics app today. Talking football once more here on the Eastern Insider Podcast with Alex Jewell and Greg Steiner. We are so thrilled to have the newest wide receiver coach, Coach R.J. Fleming, join us here on the podcast. A man that you, you know wide receivers have to be lightning quick. And boy, oh boy, you were prompt to get on the podcast today. How have things been uh, in your journey up here from Liberty? Yeah, thank you so much for having me, guys. And uh, the, the journey has been awesome. You know, it's been a whirlwind at times, just getting my family settled and all those things. My wife and my son, I have a nine-month-old. Um, they got here last weekend, and my in-laws, they drove them up um, from Virginia. And um, so we've been trying to find our favorite restaurants, and we've been trying to find a daycare around the area. Um, we finally got settled in our house. So myself, before they got here, I had been speak, uh, sleeping on the floor on a sleeping bag. So I was just thankful to get my bed back and, you know, all of those things. So it's been a whirlwind as far as family. Um, but as far as, you know, the guys, it's been amazing. Um, these are some of the best, you know, just want to be coached, um, you know, mentality guys I've ever been around. Um, and they show up every single day and they want to be great. They want to be coached. Um, and then the guys that I work with in this building are unbelievable. You know, Coach Creighton all the way down. Um, awesome um, in every aspect. So I'm super thankful for the opportunity and I'm super, super excited for all the games we're going to win and all the young men we're going to touch while we're here. Coach, you mentioned the family part of it. How much of uh, uh, did you have to twist the wife's arm to, to come up, bring her in the stove? Right now it's beautiful. It's getting warm. It's, <laughs> it's going to be bright and sunny. You did right. tell her it snows, right? Right, right. So, you know, the past month or so, we've spent a lot of time on FaceTime. So, um, you know, I walk out of my front door and, you know, I'm, I'm doing the selfies deal, showing her the snow in the background. And um, and so she was not prepared for that. She wasn't ready for that, but she missed out on that part as well. Now, they just got here, like I said, last weekend. So all the snow days, I would hope, are behind us. Now, 
she's a Florida girl by nature, and I'm a Mississippi guy, so we're both down south, you know, just true blue down south people. Um, so myself, the guys, they laugh at me all the time. There'll be times where I walk out of the locker room, and I'm I just don't have enough layers on, so I'll turn right back around and go get that thing layered up. And so um, I learned my lesson that first day. I read the forecast, and it said 55 degrees. And so 55 degrees to me, I'm thinking sun's out. You know what I mean? You're gonna walk out, and you just need one layer. Oh my goodness man no and so it, it took one time and one time only so now i always go out there over prepared i can always take layers off but you can't add them on when i when i get on that field so um but no it's, it's been awesome I'm, I'm serious no it's it's been awesome and the weather's not as big of a, a factor as you know as, as speaking on it uh, so my wife she she's more than capable of handling those things so so she's been good well, i can promise you too the longer you stay the more used to the temperatures you'll get so before you know it you'll consider yourself a michigander and you, you won't have any problems if it's 35 in the winter <laughs> when we're doing 6 a.m. workouts and you'll be out there in shorts and a t-shirt no problem just like half the staff awesome. but you, you mentioned you know having a lot of southern ties and that's certainly where a lot of your career playing and professionally has been and we'll get into some of those stops but before we get there you when you talk about your attraction to football and getting involved. Everybody has a different story about how they got started in the game, what drew them to the game and why they've stayed in it so long. So for you, what's that kind of initial uh, way that you were introduced to football? What helped you kind of find that and love it? And, and why have you chosen to stay in it uh, in your professional life? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, for me, my, my whole child life, I grew up with dreams and aspirations of playing in the major league um, baseball playing Major League Baseball. I wanted to be a baseball player, and that's what my dad introduced to me as a, at a young age. Um, when I transferred to the small private high school called Trinity Episcopal Day School, um, there was a big-time running back there named Stephen Ridley, and uh, he was being recruited nationwide by all these schools and, you know, LSU, Ole Miss, all these play Oregon. And so all these coaches were there uh, week to week, and I saw that, and I immediately wanted that. Um, I saw these coaches coming in and you know, wanting to speak with Steven, coming in, watching us practice and all those things. And they were there for him, but I wanted them to be there for me one day. And I'm a ninth grader seeing a senior have this success and have all these people interested in him across the country. So I said, man, I want to work like that so that I can have that same um, attention one day as far as recruiting. And so from a ninth grader um, on, I immediately changed my dreams and aspirations. I wanted to play in the National Football League. And um, so my senior year comes around, Arkansas State is who I ended up signing with. While I was at Arkansas State, I had four different head coaches. So I had Hugh Freeze, I had Gus Malzahn, I had Steve Roberts, I had Brian Harson, and all those guys were awesome. And I learned something different from, from each of them. Um, and after I graduated from Arkansas State, I got a chance to play, you know, CFL arena ball. And um, during those times, you know, so many faces came in and so many faces left out. And I wasn't developing any new relationships after college. And I just felt like, you know, God was just, I mean, I, I, a lot of times I got home after a game or you know, or practice. I just felt like, you know, God, I'm, I'm not making an impact on any of these guys. You know, all these people are coming from across the country and across the world and all these statewide stories and all these things, but I'm not making an impact on them. So show me what that looks like for me. You know my heart. You know I want to make an impact on other people's lives, a positive impact. So what does that platform even look like for me? And so um, I started reaching out to some of the guys that, I, that coached me in the past and and they, they talked to me about being a GA and all those things. And I had no idea what that looked like. So they introduced me to what's called the football scoop. So I jumped on the football scoop one night and um, Trinity International University, they had a job opening and I didn't know a soul there and nobody, nobody there knew me. And um, I just, you know, sent my resume 
which had no coaching experience on it, only playing experience. And uh, Kirk Ware, who was the head coach there, reached out to me. He asked me when I could come come up and interview. I drove from Mississippi to Chicago um, the next day. And, um, you know, I interviewed for an hour and I eventually got named the corners coach and the recruiting coordinator there. And um, so I loved my time there. And um, after there, I jumped over to TCU from TCU to Liberty and from Liberty to here. Um, but, you know, to answer your question, um, I've always wanted to make an impact on other people's lives, no matter the platform. And if you told me tomorrow, you know, Coach Fleming, you're going to be, you know, the janitor here. I mean, that's perfectly fine. My, my purpose is still the same. But I've always loved football. So, um, you know, it's, it's awesome that you get to have the platform that you love and your purpose still be the same. So I'm super thankful. That, that is certainly a fantastic sentiment and a great answer, but I'm going to go back because the, the head coaches you named off that you had in college, I mean, there's some players that say, well, I had two or three head coaches in college. And that's usually because the coaches maybe are, are not so good. You had head coaches that are now some of the very best in the country uh, that are so well-recognized. I mean, the, the knowledge, even just to be around them for a year, had to be special each year to learn something new from, from guys that have become quickly some of the better known head coaches around the country. Right. You know, a lot of times, especially in our day and age, when kids have a lot of different coaches that they play for, it's mostly because the coaches weren't performing or winning enough games. Shoot, we were losing coaches because we were winning too many games. You know, we were having a new face come in. We win the conference, go to a bowl game and lose that coach. We do the do the, um, do the the same thing the very next year. But we had a lot of success at Arkansas State, and I learned a lot from those guys. And then on the flip side of that, on the coaching side, oh, my goodness, I learned a lot from, you know, Gary Patterson, and, you know, Hugh Freeze and all those guys. And so uh, they've been vital in uh, my coaching career. And then just on the flip side of that, again, you know, my playing career, the, like you said, the the um, guys that I played for, it's um, it shaped me and molded me in so many, so many ways, so many ways in a positive, positive note. With RJ Fleming, you look at it last year, really, really the last two years, you've been with Liberty and uh, you've taken the help take the Flames to a new level, including uh, winning bowl games in each of their first two seasons of eligibility. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway of being able to work with Coach Freeze in that capacity, but also show that, hey, Division One level at, at Liberty, we can still make a splash on the biggest of levels too? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I think, you know, my first and foremost, um, Hugh Freeze has been has made a huge impact on my life as a player and a coach. And uh, what it showed me, what he showed me was that, man, if you have those kids' genuine best interests at heart, man, they'll play for you. And so um, those first couple months there at Liberty, it was helping helping those guys see that we had their best interests at heart. And um, when they bought into that, it was no turning back. And uh, we helped those guys believe that we could we could do the unthinkable. And um, man, think outside the box. All the things that you guys have done in the past, that's great. You know, they were averaging six wins a season. That's awesome. But now let's take this thing to a whole different level. And um, the saying around there was rise with us. So you either gonna rise with us or you can't you can't you can't get on this bus. But we we're rising, we're going in one direction. And so um that was the mindset there. That was the mindset. And then I think last, you know, the first year in 2019, we went eight and five. And so we come back and um we're getting ready for, you know, workouts and all those things. And, you know, the guys showing up with all these grins and everything like that. And immediately right off the bat, we said, Man, last year is done. You know, we went eight and five. 
And if you're happy with that, you probably don't need to be here. There's more left. We got more in this room. We got more potential. We hadn't even got started yet. And so that was the mentality. And so last year we go 10. We win 10 of them. And so, um, you know, that, you know, always changing the mindset, always changing that mentality, you know, to do the unthinkable. Whatever you think is good enough, man, you got more. You got more. Well, and listen, Greg, I think we can agree. I mean, records aside, accomplishments aside, you had to put up with Vontrell King Williams on that staff this year. So that's about the biggest accomplishment that you had. That's family there, baby. So, all right, one, one thing about me, everybody who knows me knows this. I'm a huge, I mean, huge, big time spades player. Uh, I, I love spades. So when all these um, parents and everything, when they got to campus and everything like that, that was my spades partner. And uh, now Coach, Coach Vontrell, I'm putting him out on front, front street here. He talks a lot of noise now. He's a nice guy, but he can talk some noise on that space table. I'm serious. But that's that's my man. He's an unbelievable coach, an unbelievable recruiter. And, oh, my gosh, an awesome, awesome man he is. I mean, you can imagine I have no problem. You know, usually people are scared if I go up and jump up and try to give him a chest bump or a little <laughs> shoulder tap. Von Trell has put me on my rear end doing that to me. So that man is, is powerful. And I, it's funny, you know, I, I think you would agree. Of course, Von Trell King-Williams, a, a former graduate assistant with us, and uh, someone that, just like you said, is destined to make an impact on young men in his career as well. You know, he's had a lot of opportunities in the past, and I know he won't mind me sharing this, but um, the first the first order of operation was I'm not taking any opportunity that makes me, um, well, put my little brother in a bad situation. So his little brother's a priority. He's his guardian, all those things. And, I mean, he's just a, he's an awesome example of just being selfless, selfless. I mean, just, you know, it's always about somebody else. And I think that speaks volumes of just, like you said, the impact he's going to make on so many people's lives. He's, he's one of the most selfless people I've ever been around. And he's given me several reasons to say those things. You've worked with a bunch of people who, who certainly pride themselves on making others better. You now work for a man who uh, at his opening press conference said that being a part of this program will be one of their favorite moments of their life in, in Chris Creighton. Uh, a man that I've been lucky enough to work with the, the eight years now that he's been here at Eastern. What impressed you most about working with Coach Creighton? And, and I know you guys didn't have the relationship that a lot of times coaches who are hired in have. How have you gone about building that with him as well? That's, that's a good question. So when I came down and interviewed here, um, I got here on a Tuesday evening. Okay, so I got here Tuesday um, around 2.30. I started my interview process with Coach Creighton in, um, around 5.30 or so. And I didn't get back to my hotel, and I'll never forget this. I didn't get back to my hotel room until 9.45. So from 5.30 to 9.45, I was with Coach Creighton. Um, I knew how important it was for him to get to know my heart, to get to know who I was as a person. And um, the questions that were asked that first night had nothing to do with football, nothing to do with me coaching. Nothing to do with ball, nothing to do with X's and O's, just who I was as a man, who I was as a husband, who I was as a father, as a mentor. Um, and so that immediately spoke volumes to me. I knew what type of man he was. And then the, the only um, the next day on Wednesday, I spent a lot of time with the offensive staff. Um, and then we broke for lunch. And I go into lunch and the whole defensive staff is in there. Uh, so I knew immediately how important it was for relationships. You know, you're not you're not just going to work with the offensive staff. I mean, you it's a team effort here. So what do the defensive guys think? And all those things. So I knew he wanted to make sure relationship wise across the board um, that everybody had a good feel for me. And so um, 
that immediately spoke volumes to me. And um, and while I was on, in my interview, we ended up calling my wife. Um, and that, oh my gosh, I mean, it spoke volumes to me and my wife, you know, just um, just a relational man, um, you know, got his priorities in order. Um, family is important and all those things. And um, one of the words that I used to describe myself was competitive. And it was one of the same words that he just, he used to describe himself. And I know how badly, I know how badly he wants to make this program be great. Um, I've seen the success that this program has had. I know what it's founded on. I know what it's built on. Um, when I came down to interview, I got a chance to meet some of the players across campus and um, just to, to see the way they carry themselves, see the way they handle themselves. They come up and introduce them. That, those are things that, I mean, shoot, you don't see those things everywhere. And, um, you know, my first week here, we had a run through and we had players out there calling each other out, holding each other accountable. Um, those are all things that start from the top down. I'm serious now. And Coach Creighton has done an unbelievable job of just creating a culture and environment here where the players are, are all the way bought in. I mean, we, we've had meetings before, leadership meetings, where we're on those deals for almost an hour and a half, and the coaches are very rarely speaking. So the kids are on there, you know, speaking in front of their teammates, in front of their peers. Um, the way he runs this program is uh, I haven't seen anything like it. And, um, and I've told him and I've told a lot of guys in this building, but I'm super Super thrilled and honored to be a part of it because I know what it means to him. I do. And I've gotten a chance to meet his family as well. They're awesome. Well, awesome. we talked to Coach Coughlin the other day. He said that his first meeting with his new players, they said there was a level that they were at. And Coach, you've got to rise to our level and make us better. Have you had a similar moment like that where where – was it a, a guy walking in like Dylan Drummond or one of the or Haas or somebody like that that said, we're here. You better meet us up here. No, I've, I haven't had that specifically, um, but I have in my one on one meetings just, you know, you know, guys, what are some things that we've liked, you know, in the past that we need to continue to do uh, things that we need to do better, things we need to do more, less of and all those things. So I've had those conversations with those guys and they were challenging. They were. They were. And so um. Uh, you know, that's that's always that's all you all you're always elevating. And I tell those guys every single day, shoot, when we show up, you either getting better or worse, but you're never going to stay the same. And so um, every day, shoot, we have those conversations straightforward. You know, we got to look ourselves in the mirror as men, as players, as students um, and me as a father, as a husband, all those things. Every day we need to challenge ourselves and elevate and maximize because there's so many people that want to be here doing what we do. But not everybody has this opportunity. So while we do have it, let's maximize. Um, so I have not had those specific words mentioned to me, but in a way, in every in every other way, I've had I've been challenged. I have by every every kid in that room, and they want to be coached. I'm serious. So if I show up and I'm not on my stuff, they're not being challenged, and they're not being coached to be great. And I'm accountable for doing so. And I don't want to let those guys down. I don't want to let this program down. Um, and so, and to answer your question as best I can, I'm challenged every single day. But I have not had those kids say that verbatim. Well, I'll tell you what, it's interesting to hear you talk about how passionate this staff clearly is about winning and doing it the right way and making the impact in kids' lives. A story I've never told on this podcast that I'll, I'll share now really quickly. When I was an undergrad, Coach Creighton used to run laps around the track every day. Still probably does in the summer and as camp's going on. And one night I was out there cleaning up the field. Coach Creighton was running around the track and he would stop after about every lap and kind of go over to the side near the stands and start cheering wildly and like, like he was a fan. And eventually after about two laps, I went over to him. I said, coach, what the heck are you doing? And he said, 
Alex, if we do things right here, I'm not going to be the one that's having to cheer from the stands. <laughs> and so just that visualization and, and passing that on to the team. And certainly that's something that that has started. But part of that is playing football well in terms of the X's and O's at the end of the day, all of the things off the field are so important, but at the, you also have to get to game day and execute. So every coach has a different style, a different approach. What are some things that we can expect to see an RJ Fleming led wide receiver core look like on the field? All right, that's a good question. Uh, first and foremost, those guys are going to play hard every single snap. And one of the things we say every single day, no block, no rock. So whether the ball is coming to you, or away from you, the ball is already thrown, or we hand the ball off. If you don't have the football, you expect to be blocking somebody. Find work. You didn't buy tickets. Don't be watching. Okay. Uh, secondly, I believe in coaching the small, small, small things of, of fundamentals and technique. And so um, I want a room full of pros. I tell those guys have a pro mentality every single day. So what a pro does is he 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 zones in on the, on the small things of his technique. The way he shows up to meeting, he's got a notebook, he's got a pen and paper. The way he shows up to treatment, the way he shows up to the weight room, the way he shows up to class, he does things as a pro. So I tell those guys every single day, I want a room for the pros and how we carry ourselves, how we handle our business on and off the field. And the last thing we talk about is being the best teammate that you can possibly be. We make a big play, we score a touchdown, go celebrate with your teammate. It's a big deal. Okay. So when when someone when someone messes up or somebody's out of line or you see that they can be given more, be a great teammate and let those guys know that. You're accountable for doing so. Uh, and, and one thing that goes with that is just shoot, having the courage to to criticize. It takes a lot to tell somebody, not with, not necessarily what they want to hear, but what they need to hear. But as a teammate, if you care about your teammate, if you're a great teammate, shoot, that's your platform. Let them know. Let them know that they're not giving the best that they could possibly give. They're out of line here. They're wrong here. They can do this better. They can do more of this. They can do less of this. That's what comes with being a great teammate. So let them know. A um, few moments here with RJ Fleming as we, we wrap up this interview. You look at a, a room that you have, an experienced group of wide receivers, certainly Dylan Drummond, people know, uh, Hassan Beydoun and Tanner Canoe certainly bust onto the scene. Two of those three guys, former walk-ons that have earned scholarships, what is it, are there guys in the room that have really stood out to you and how's the progress been this spring? Yeah, I, I feel collectively uh, the group has stood out to me and those guys that you highlighted, you know, they're phenomenal. Um, but there are, you know, there's a lot of other guys in that room now that the Eagle nation may not know of, but they will. Um, so I feel really good about the momentum we've built throughout, you know, 13 practices this spring. I feel really good about my guys being able to contribute in some way to the success of this football team, whether it's offensively or special teams. And that's a straightforward conversation we have every day. So, the other day in our meeting, we had the guys raise their hand if they played significant snaps last year. Okay. And so you guys can pretty much visualize what that looked like. And so then we asked the question, why? Why was that? Because you had every opportunity to play. You had every opportunity. So through 12 practices this spring, what has changed? Is this stuff more important to you? Are you spending more time in your playbook? All right. Are you challenging yourself? Are you making more plays on the field? Are you taking care of your bodies? All those things that would help you and enhance you take advantage of the opportunity. So I think those guys heard us loud and clear. Okay, so um, I feel collectively as a group, we have made tremendous strides. Um, I feel really good about, about where we'll be come the fall. We're gonna win a lot of games because we do have a great offense, um, but we've challenged ourselves to be a, a feature in this, in this offense now, to make contested catches, amazing catches, and the routine catches. We make all catches. 
And so um, those guys have been challenged across the board. We plug and play them. So whoever's out there, when your number's called, you make the freaking play. That's what you're accountable for doing. So collectively, our wide receiver unit is going to be, they're, they're going to be, they're going to, they're going to be great. They're going to be great this fall. All right, coach. Listen, I think uh, the fact of the matter is we're going to bring in a couple of times here in the media relations office. You're going to help us recruit some students and GAs because you'll be walking, not that our office is by far the best in the Mac. I'm throwing it out there. But if, if RJ Fleming gets on the recruiting train for our office, Greg, I think we would, we'd walk in here and people will just be <laughs> typing away like never before. My, my goodness. That's, that's inspirational stuff. And coach, I've got, I've got to tell you, I hope you've had a good time with us. I know we're going to invite you back because your, your stories, your, your insight has been fantastic. And you're also probably the only guest we've ever had that has told us so many of our questions have been good questions. So we'll take that any day of the week. We tell the guys all the time, you know, no, no question is a terrible question. So any question that you asked, you, you didn't know. So ask. So these are all great questions. Well, that's true because then Greg and I have no problem talking and asking questions and we'll certainly look forward to doing so more as you continue your tenure here in Ypsilanti. We are incredibly excited to have someone like you in town and help us continue to take this football program and the athletic department where it needs to go. Coach, we wish you all of the best as you wrap up spring this weekend. We'll see you on Friday with a, a, another group of fans in the stands finally that'll get to be here to cheer on some some great football talent and we'll wish you all, wish you all the best this summer and and uh, hope to see you doing well next fall thank you guys so much for having me that's thank wide you. receivers coach rj fleming from the eastern michigan football team and we'll take a quick break right after this we'll finish up our interview part two with the voice of the mac michael ray guy so stick with us on the eastern insider podcast the only show that brings you all things eastern all the time Looking for a ride? Trinity Transportation has the vehicle for you. From luxurious motor coaches to cozy sedans, Trinity Transportation is prepared to take you to your destination. Check out their fleet of vehicles at trinitytransportation.com or call 877-284-4200 to book today. That's trinitytransportation.com or 877-284-4200. Trinity Transportation, the official transportation provider of Eastern Michigan Athletics. Welcome back to the Eastern Insider. It's time for part two of our Michael Regai interview, the voice of the Mid-American Conference. Remember, this week's another chance to win a great prize. It's an EMU golf package, courtesy of the Eastern Insider. All you have to do is listen for the keyword, and here it is, MAC. M-A-C. Send that to us via Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, and you'll automatically be entered in a chance to win. We'll do the drawing next week. Now, part one of Michael Regai's interview, we talked a lot about his upbringing in Detroit and how he got into sports casting. Now we'll turn the focus more to Eastern Michigan specifically. His wealth of knowledge is fantastic. So I hope you sit back and enjoy the rest of our interview with Michael Regai. Here we go. You use that term resurgence a few times when you talk mm-hmm. about uh, Detroit and the Mac, but there's a resurgence going on a little bit on the football field too here for Eastern Michigan. And I know that's something you've been able to, to kind of witness. I know before we started talking, you were, we were laughing about the fact that it's hard to believe it's been eight years already. This yeah. season for coach Chris Creighton, but uh, Greg and I on this show can talk as much as we want about how great the football program is has improved, but we're the most biased sources in the world, right? So it's interesting from an outside perspective to get your thoughts on just where this program's gone and still what the potential from your perspective is on how far they can go. Here's the thing I like best about what's happened in Ypsilanti with uh, Eastern Michigan football. Chris Creighton is there. He's not there to have a good season or, you know, uh, be a one year. He's there to build a program 
And that's the thing that I saw right away in, in meeting him for the first time, those, uh, those eight years ago. And I, I think absolutely that's what he's done. And I, you know, I go back to 1987 and the great year that, uh, Jim Harkema had right with, uh, I, I, that year I called three, um, that time Huron games, Eastern Michigan Hurons, um, of course, uh, and Jim Harkema, the head coach and, you know, and, and I really liked Hark. And, and, you know, then he had a couple other good years, but unfortunately for a lot of various reasons, you know, it just didn't sustain, as I'm sure he wanted it to. And uh, now, you know, when, when Ronnie Adams and Gary Patton, they got, their eligibility, uh, you know, goes away, quarterback and running back of uh, that Eastern Michigan MAC championship team that uh, had, uh, had that big, big win too in the California Raisin Bowl. Um, sure, I mean, again, it's uh, it's hard to replace those kind of guys. But see, that's the thing, Coach Creighton. To me, is is building this program and building it in the right way. And again, I think, uh, and I've talked to him about this a lot. I think you've got a tremendous. He knows this. I mean, he wasn't from here, but man, I tell you, if you can start recruiting the Detroit area and Lansing and Flint and get your share of those uh, talented high school football players. Uh, I think you can build the Eastern Michigan program that way. I really do. I mean, that's not to say in this day and age, of course, you're, you're now re recruiting boundaries have to, there are no boundaries. I mean, they got to be spread nationally, but again, I still look at, uh, I think a program like Eastern Michigan, um, if they're able to make sure that they get the um, the best MAC players that come out of the state of Michigan and the states of Ohio and and PA and Indiana and Illinois, if you can keep those guys uh, wanting to stay home and wanting to be a part of something special, and I, and I think that that's exactly exactly what uh, what Chris Creighton has um, already shown that that he wants to get done and it's already start to started to uh, have uh, borne some fruit. So I'm a big, big believer in what he is uh, already done and what he's going to continue to do for the program. I think he's a, he's a pro again, a program guy. And that's the kind of coaches I want. I want program guys at mid American conference schools. You, you see the pipeline from Cleveland, you get Dylan Drummond yeah. to come up. You, Cap the Buckeye State for Preston Hutchinson. Two guys I know you're you, John. You're also a big fan of Eddie Doherty back Very in much. the day. What, finding those type of guys, they may not be the, the five-star recruits. They may just be the two-star guys that, mm -hmm. that come here and grit it out. What do you like about those kind of players? Well, again, that, that, that number one, they embody what you want to do with your program. Again, you just said it, Greg. They're going to come in and uh, they're going to work hard for you and want to be eventually earn their spot, whether that starts in special teams as a freshman, uh, ultimately to winning a, a starting role or a vital role on the you know on your football team. Those are the kind of guys I want. I want those kind of guys that maybe you want to say, well have a little bit to prove, maybe a little bit um, uh, they're, they're looking to be more resourceful and looking to put in, they understand that nothing's going to be given to me here. I'm going to have to go out and win a position and win a job. And if I got to play special teams as a freshman to show the coaching staff that uh, this is how badly I want it, so be it. Um, so 
I think it uh, uh, specifically, as you said, Greg, a program like Eastern Michigan. But, you know, I, I pretty much for any one of the MAC programs, quite honestly, uh, you don't need five stars. You don't need a lot of four stars. When you get that one, it's fine. But, you know, those two stars that want it real badly and you can get some, uh, some, you know, get those three stars that say, I want to play for this coach and be a part of this program. You could be very, very successful. And that's how I feel Chris Creighton is going to do it and going to continue to build uh, the Eastern Michigan program. So much of building the program, too, is obviously depending on the coaching staff and how well they're able to convince those types of players to come to Eastern Michigan or to any respective Mac school. But another thing that's really helped, too, that you've seen firsthand is this evolution of the conference and how more of a national stage it's mm -hmm. taken the last really decade, but even before then. And I know the Maction type of brand has uh, kind of gone into the different spaces and different sports. Certainly basketball has adopted it, but really it starts with, with football and the ability then to get the Mac schools on national television for uh, games per week. And how big is something like that and how, crucial has that been for really separating the Mac as maybe that most recognized group of five conference? Yeah, it's enormous, Alex. And again, remember, you know, when you're, uh, when you are playing a midweek game, I mean, uh, usually it's a, uh, it's a Mac if it's, it's either the Mac by itself, or there might even be, uh, a game on Tuesday night, Wednesday night, a couple of Mac games during that, that particular week. But, you know, young guys see this, and it, it's uh, high school players that we said, maybe they're not four and five stars, and maybe they're not being heavily recruited, but they know they have the ability to be a Division One football player. And they want to get with a program that not only uh, give them that opportunity, but still allow them that, uh, listen, you know, I don't – group of five, that – that – that's not anything that, you know, you say, well, power five group. Listen, they're all division one programs, all of them. And I think anywhere you go around the country, everybody knows about the mid-American conference and, uh, you know, on the football side, you know, that deal they signed with ESPN. Yes. Is now, uh, has been a huge, huge part of that. No, uh, unquestionably to be able to have, uh, the, uh, the midweek games and, uh, so matter, every game is televised though. You got an opportunity. You can be in Walla Walla, Washington. You can be up in Maine, down in Florida or out on the West coast or anywhere in between. doesn't matter. You can watch Mac football. I mean, I'm talking about every Saturday too, you know, uh, uh, digitally, you get on the internet, get on, and you can watch the, your favorite Mac team or the team of your choice. So that was huge. That that um, you know the Mid American Conference had the great foresight to to do that. And I'll go back even to uh, you know Commissioner Rick Christ. As Rick was the one that really got that ball rolling. Um, and then the contracts with ESPN have just continued and uh, continued to. Uh, get more bountiful too with, as I said, now you can watch every Mac game every week, you know, in some fashion. So, uh, yeah, high school football players know that. And again, if they're not re being recruited by, but they know, uh, the, uh, the big boys in the power five, but they know they're a division one player. Well, then I'm, you know, I think a mid American conference program is right up their alley because it's a, exactly how they want to present themselves, um, and get the opportunity to play in the Division One level. 
as much as, as football's excelled, it's also been kind of a 20-plus year uh, doldrums on the basketball side of things. The conference is not, for better or worse, not pulled, poured the same resources into the basketball side of things. Mm-hmm. But as you look upon the 30th anniversary of Eastern Michigan's Sweet 16 run, yeah. guys like the Thomas Twins and Grant Long and Earl Boykins years later, when you think about that, uh, what what stands out at you maybe for from Eastern Michigan's dominance under Coach Braun? Yeah, and you know, I because I get I get asked that a lot, and so you know how everybody wants to categorize. All right, Greg. So when you when you do this, it's like, well, what Eastern Michigan team? Meant? And for me, there's three that are are very very special, but um, I, I got to go with, and you know, a. a personal friend and see him a lot grew up here as much as I love Earl Boykins which I do uh that 9091 team for me I think was uh, I think the the most prominent and uh, the best uh, of the outstanding Eastern Michigan squads. I mean, uh, Ben Braun, I thought, you know, did a tremendous job there. I mean, they won the MAC by a couple of games, and you know, you don't see that often. They went thirteen and three in MAC play, twenty-six win season, win two games in the NCAA tournament. As we know, right, uh, beat Mississippi State and then Penn State. Then they had to run into the number one seat, you know, in Eastern, uh, in North Carolina. But, uh, I mean, you mentioned the Thomases, Greg. But, I mean, listen, Marcus Kennedy, Marcus Kennedy was a man, a man in the middle. He was a man in, in all of college basketball. Forget about just the Mac. Marcus Kennedy was a, a big time player. And um, right before Earl came in, I think a lot of, uh, I, I hope they don't, Eastern Michigan fans, for, don't forget about Lorenzo Neely now. I, I know, you know, as Greg, you, Earl came in a couple years after that. But Lorenzo Neely was a fabulous, fabulous point guard. And I thought the guy that really made that, that, that whole thing go. And then you said to come, and then senior laden team, right? That team was, a, they were all Corey Hallis was one junior and Corey Hallis had a tremendous year. They weren't real deep. I mean, I was looking back. In fact, we uh, the last time I talked with Charles Thomas, we were discussing this. He said, look at, look at the minutes per game. Those guys played 33, 34, 36, those starters we just mentioned. So, um, you know, coach Braun, he rode them hard. But they were special players, and uh, he didn't give them much time to get over there and uh, get too much of a respite. And um, it was a very special program. They uh, and I remember the the thing that I liked too, being a Detroiter too. The uh, the MAC tournament that year was at Cobo Arena, the home of the Pistons. Uh, for a few years, it was. Uh, uh, I think it was Carl Benson, the MAC commissioner at that time. I think it was, I think, I think it was Carl. Cole Benson, but uh, I think it was a five-year deal with Cobo Arena. Uh, but so that was cool too, you know, for uh, the uh, the Thomases and Lorenzo Neely to be able to uh, to play in, uh, you know, in Cobo Arena, and uh, so uh, that was a strong experience. Uh, uh, the Bowling Green game in overtime was an overtime game. I remember the semis that year at at Cobo, and then of course they uh, they beat Toledo as well. 
to win the uh, the MAC championship. But for me, 90-91, Greg, long-winded. I know I apologize, but uh, that squad a little bit better. I always have a lot of, um, you know, a lot of heart, too, for they. I thought Ben's first team, that 87-88 team with Grant Long, you know, that kind of – Kind of got the ball rolling. They had a that twenty-two win season, I believe, there, and uh, and uh, also regular season and MAC tournament champions, just like that uh, that ninety ninety one team. So I really think that that got that growing. Lorenzo Neely was a freshman on that team. Howard Chambers, along with Grant Long, and uh, to me, another outstanding team. And and then of course ninety five, ninety six with with Earl and uh, and Derek Dial, and cast tech guy Derek Dial. Way to make it happen. And so, you know, again, uh, and, and I went over Duke, right, in the NCAA tournament that year. So, to me, I'm going to say those three, Greg, those three teams will always be. And, um, again, I had the great pleasure of all three of them probably called, I don't know, at least four games each one of those seasons, if not more, you know, with the uh, with the Max uh, television package at that time. So, yeah, those those three stand out to me. Um, of course, there was there's some other very good ones, but uh, those three will always be the ones that if you're asking me about Eastern Michigan basketball history wise, I'll go to those three. Well, and I don't know if you know this story, but we've talked to Charles Thomas in the past and he told us a story about Coach Braun, about how they used to run about four or five miles uh, every uh, every time they would run as a team and coach yeah. Braun was who, by the way, still today looks like mm. he could get out on a basketball court. He used to be so far ahead of the team that he would beat them by over a mile, have time <laughs> to get into his car, drive to meet the team and tell them how slow they were going when he was the head coach. So I did just shows you, I guess, you know, when, when your leader is able to do that and, and put that much energy and, and demand into it, it's no surprise that those teams became so good. Yeah, I you know how I originally heard about that uh, from Ben himself, as Ben said, hey, hey, my guys told you about that, didn't I? Did you, you asked the Thomases and Neely who was ahead of them all the time in our runs, me. And I said, coach, come on. He said, no, ask them. And so I did, and uh, yeah, they verified that that – that Braun was always setting the pace, so uh, that's cool. I'm 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 happy for Coach. Uh, I really really enjoyed uh, being around him and around his program, and you know, quite frankly, that's how I met Gary Waters, another head coach who you know had some uh, terrific terrific time in the Mid American Conference, and uh, another head coach with that Eastern Michigan beginning that I have a great deal of respect for. And, uh, and then, um, uh, so, I mean, yeah, uh, those, those teams in Ben Braun's era at Eastern Michigan, I, I think um, if you're talking about Mac basketball, it's right there near the very top. I mean, arguably everybody's going to, you know, argue it a little bit, but uh you know, I'll put Coach Braun and what he did during his tenure at Eastern Michigan. Again, uh, let's look at what we just talked about, you know, 87, 88, and then that begets 90, 91. And then, of course, but on into uh, uh, Earl Boykin's years, which uh, were not with Coach Braun. But um, again, it, 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 I think it, uh, for a decade or so, Eastern Michigan right there, that, that maybe late 80s on into the mid 90s, certainly. Uh, you know, as strong as anybody in the Mac basketball wise. 
final few moments here with Michael. I know we could go all day because you have so many stories and I, I love to hear them. And Alex and I have a few more questions. We don't want to monopolize too much of your time, but. No, you're you, fine. I'm good. When I'm you good. look at, at your career, I mean, you've called the Indians, you've called the Cavs, you've called the Browns, you've called the Mac. When you think of it and the superstars you've been around and the moments you've been able to call, is there a moment that just you, you look back and now and you're like, wow, I'm amazed I, I was part of that? Uh, yeah, there, there a lot of them, Greg. And, uh, you know, again, you, you, you got to be uh, you got to be fortunate and you got to be uh, blessed to be able to. But um, to me, I mean, I'll never forget it. And, uh, you know, for me, uh, calling uh, Cal Ripken's 3000th uh, base hit. Oh, uh, man, I have just such amazing respect for eight years was with him, you know, every day during the baseball season and um, just how uh, immersed he was in preparing and succeeding. So to be able to call his 3000th base hit, his 400th home run, um, 1997, my first year when the Orioles went wire to wire and uh, won the American League East. So that's always going to be that, that whole, but the Ripken involvement there, will always be very, very special. Um, I called LeBron James first four years in the NBA with the Cavaliers. I'll never forget that opening night in Sacramento and there were over 300 media members to see a Cleveland Cavaliers and Sacramento's Kings game in late October of 2003. So, and that was for one reason only. That was because LeBron James and uh, uh, just the, uh, the universal impact he had and the expectations that were there for him. Uh, coming out of high school and being the uh, the number one pick in in the NBA, and so um, you know those are a couple to to be sure. Um, there have been so many uh, amazing uh, college football moments that I've uh, had the had the great fortune of calling, and 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 you know there are quite a few of them that are that have. Uh, you know, Mac background to that, uh, and could uh, a Mac game or a, a Mac team, um, you know, and, and I think back and like right now, you know, and I, I, uh, I have fun with them about them. I mean, Ball State said coach Mike knew, right. The, uh, great deal of respect for Mike. And I think like coach Creighton, he's probably going to do big things with that ball state program as well. And, uh, thinking about, you know, um, I called five of his games the year that he was uh, the MAC MVP his senior year at Ball State. And at that time, it was a uh, former Bo Schembechler, Michigan assistant, Paul Schudel, who was the, the head coach at Ball State. And uh, so, you know, just moments like that. And now to be able to still uh, to be able to, um, you know, share those memories and I brought up a couple of things to Mike this past year. That this he had kind of he said, ah, I forgot that. Really? That's a, yeah, man. That's that's what happened. So um, those kind of things. Now everything is you know is, is kind of coming full circle, guys. You know what I mean with uh, with guys who uh, that I called while they were playing and now coaches, and uh, that's always fun. Great deal of fun. I think everybody growing up and that, that's into the sports field, they look at somebody like a Jim Nance, a Dick Vitale, a Michael Ray guy, whoever it may be. And they, they look at what you're able to do and might say, ah, that'd be awesome. That'd be the best job in the world, but I'm never going to be a Jim Nance. I'm never going to be a, a, 
uh, Jim Price, whoever it may be. But almost every one of those guys, including yourself, has kind of that humble beginning story. You talked about your upbringing in Detroit and just grinding and working at it. But how in the world, if somebody's listening to this show and has those aspirations for, for wanting to get into this business, how in the world do they even start? Got to persevere, number one. You, you have to find the way that you think might be the the best way for you to get there. And, um, you know, a lot of times that doesn't mean uh, maybe you can start as early as high school, too. I know so many high schools um, that I've come encounter with, and I, I still love to, uh, you know, to to go speak. And I'm honored when somebody asked me to speak to, uh, you know, television, radio uh, majors in college. Uh, even done it, like I said, high schools that have uh, programs now that uh, maybe have, uh, you know, a student run radio station or television station. But, you know, if you feel like you want to, you know, do that. Find a way to get yourself involved. Uh, however, that uh, that uh, you know can work for you. Um, if that means going to um, you know rather than going to a, a university, uh, say going to a broadcasting school instead. There are many now around the country that uh, you know are are very reputable and, and very strong. But again, if it's broadcasting uh, that you want, don't ever say no to anything. Whatever it is someone asks you to do or gives you the opportunity to do, um, you can't have self-doubt even because, you know, you may be 18, 19, 20 years old, but you got to say yes and you got to take a shot at it. And listen, you're going to make mistakes. You're not, you know, everything's going to uh, kind of feel like it's going a million miles an hour to you. But but again, you got to persevere and you got to be passionate. You got to be passionate and you got to want it, want it greatly. And um, again, I mean, uh, you know, anybody, I, I'm more than willing to uh, to discuss with with any individual that feels like that uh, that may be something that he or she uh, would like to take a real strong opportunity at. And uh, I'm not going to tell you it's easy because it's not easy. But I will tell you that there are way more opportunities now because, right, as we know, of like what we're doing right now with podcasts, with, uh, you know, websites, the Internet. There's way more opportunities there were to get started than, than when I got started, you know, uh, back in the 1970s. It's, you know, you, then it was either you get a job at a TV station or a radio station or a newspaper or, okay, well, good luck. Because until you can do that, you really don't have any other opportunities or avenues. Well, that's not the case anymore. So there's, there's now multiple avenues that you can go down. And, uh, but again, you gotta, you know, you gotta be very, very passionate and, uh, and want this more than, uh, pretty much life itself. And, Usually good things will happen if you approach it that way and, and you're earnest about what you want to put into it. Good things will happen. A legendary career, a legendary man. And I can't thank you enough for your time today, Michael. I mean, you are a, a Hall of Famer in my book, and I, I appreciate your time and just spending with us and gracing us with your, your memories of Eastern and Mac and, and your broadcast career. Uh, we're always here for you, and you always have a chair at Rynearson, the Convocation Center, whenever you want. I appreciate that. You guys are very, very kind. And, uh, you know, it's very humbling to hear you, uh, 
to say all that, but uh, just know I, I I'm still passionate about it and I still love it and I've still got uh, I've got a few years left in me. So um, I, I appreciate uh, joining you guys and and uh, the great conversation. And you know I'll uh, I'll see you at Rhinerson in the convo, no doubt about that. Michael, thanks well, man, you. thank you. Well, appreciate your time. Uh, Alex and I, a quick break. We're back after this on the Eastern Insider. That's it for this edition of the Eastern Insider Podcast. Thanks for listening. For Greg Steiner, I'm Alex Jewell, reminding you to visit emueagles.com slash podcasts or go to SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your digital media to stay connected with us every Monday. As always, follow us on social media for the most up-to-date information on EMU Athletics.